Sisters and brothers, this uh, parable that we just heard from Jesus is truly one of the strangest, and if I might say so, one of the most shocking of all of the parables that Jesus has for us in the Gospels. What's so unusual about it is that, uh, first of all, all the violence that we hear in it. Why would Jesus be telling us a parable that has all this killing in it, you know? And it's a parable. It's a parable. I mean, um, we could understand, of course, that uh, the king would be upset, okay, and hurt that uh, people haven't uh, responded to this invitation for his son's wedding. But this extraordinary anger, okay, of people not coming and then going out and this killing and burning of their cities. And then for this poor guy who gets invited at the end, okay, and he doesn't show up with a wedding garment on, and then he gets thrown out, okay? What's all that about? So uh, it is, it is difficult. Many people, when they hear this story, find it hard to take all this violence and, and brutality. I mean, uh, what, are we, what are we to make about? What are we to make about all of this? And uh, so it is a challenging parable. It's a challenging parable um, to listen to. So I was looking at it long this week, long this week, trying to say, well, what is, and it's a parable. Parables, uh, Jesus is trying to teach us something, and parables are always about God. One of the great Catholic writers of the 20th century Winery O'Connor, she too wrote some very um, dark stories, violent stories herself. And speaking about these, this is what she once said. She said, in the land of the deaf, you have to shout. Meaning that in the very secularized society that we live in, people have lost a, a sense of God. Sometimes you have to shock them into awareness with very exaggerated characters and sometimes violent actions to make your point. And I think in some respects this parable is like that, like the stories of Flannery O'Connor. Jesus is trying to use some exaggerated characters and emotions to wake us all up here this morning. We have to be very careful that we don't literalize this Parable, make it into what we might call an allegory, meaning that just the way the king behaves, that this is the way God behaves. You know, this crazy king goes out and kills people and destroys their city. We say, well, that's the way God is. No, 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 no that's, not, that's not the point of the parable at all. But this story is meant to stir us up with its exaggerations that we hear. And I think the first detail of the story is important to pay attention to, maybe the most important detail, that the king is giving a banquet for his son. In a very real way, we can say that the king is God, who is the father, whose very real purpose is to bring his people, to bring his people to a banquet. That's the core 
of the story. In Jesus' time, there would have been no more prestigious event than being invited to the wedding feast of the king who's having a wedding for his son. Put it maybe in the context of our own time today. I think you all probably know that sometime next year, Pope Francis is going to come here to the United States for a pastoral visit. Let's just say, as we don't know all the details about that visit. We know he's going to come to Philadelphia, but we don't know where else yet he's going to visit. Let's say when he comes here, he's invited to the White House by President Obama, much the same way that last time Pope Benedict came to the United States, that he too was invited by President Bush to the White House. Well, let's say that when, if, if in fact he does come to the White House, let's say that you are invited as well, okay, to that event. Let's say that President Obama has a state dinner for him, and you're invited to this great event. And there's going to be all these cardinals and all these religious figures that are going to be there and all these important political people. And you get this invi invitation to this event. What would you do? Well, would you say, I have to check my calendar to see what's there? No. There's no better invitation in the whole world that you would ever get. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You wouldn't say, oh, you know, I got tickets next week to the OSU game with Indiana. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. Now we understand how important this invitation is. So let's listen to what the people in the parable did when they got the invitation today. Some ignored the invitation and went away. One to his farm, another to his business. And then, someone so far as to kill those who sent the invitation. Now imagine, you get the invitation. It's sent to you by a special courier, from someone from the White House or someone from the Vatican. See what I mean when this story is over the top? You, you kill the person who sent the invitation to you. I mean, people are acting in all kinds of strange ways in this parable today. But the point is clear. The Lord of hosts wants to have this great banquet, great banquet for his people. It's a wedding banquet. And his son, his son is marrying, okay, the human race. The son is marrying the human race who has a banquet here for all of his people, for all of us to share in his divine life. The food that is offered here is the best of all possible foods, and it's offered in the best of all possible places. Our first reading today parallels this gospel. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will provide for all peoples a feast of rich food and choice wines, 
juicy, rich foods, and pure, choice wines. And we've all received this invitation in the highest possible person to this greatest banquet of life. And what's been the response to this great invitation? Well, I think we all know. You know, three-quarters of the people, you're here, but three-quarters of the people who share our faith are not here, are not here at this, in, at this banquet. Some say, oh, I'm bored at that. Or I have shopping to do. It's the only day I can do my shopping. Or I have a game. And now we can see why the king's reaction is so over the top. What we're meant to see is that the king is a wild man. But we see that people consistently refuse this invitation. The story is meant to literally grab us by the shoulders and shake us. See why we don't get it. We're meant to look at this invitation and say, how do we respond to the invitations we get? I think another important thing to take a look at in the parable what do we make? What do we make of the king's anger? The king is a reference to God. I think something that's important to keep in mind is that God does not get angry. Be careful about that. So we can't, we can't just allegorize this parable. Take it on a literal level. Because God is always and only can be love. God is Love. God does not have mood swings. God does not get in a snit. You cannot make God angry, ever. You cannot do something bad. We all do bad things. And then God's going to get angry at you. No. God will only always love you, no matter what you or I do all the time. God is love. Always, always, always. We hear these stories in the Bible about God's anger. I think a better way of, of looking at it is God wants to set things right. What about this burning of the city? It refers to something very real that happened. The destruction of Jerusalem. That's a real event that happened in the life of Israel. Terrible thing. So these things that ha happened in the Bible refers to things that happened. God wasn't angry. God is never angry. God is love. Keep that in mind all the time. But God does want to set things right in life. But God is not angry. Important thing to, mind, to keep in mind is that all of us have received this invitation to this, invi to this incredible banquet. It's more than just coming to church on Sunday. It's the great banquet of life. It's the richness of God's way in life. And how have I responded to his ways in my life? God just keeps inviting us and inviting us and inviting us. And there's another last important detail to pay attention to. What do we make of this poor guy who responds to the invitation but doesn't have the wedding garment on and gets thrown out? That's a puzzling detail. It seems kind of petty, 
and unfair. Well, we've accepted the invitation. We've accepted God's grace, but it's not enough. We have to do more. We're here, but we have to do more than just show up. We have to, we say at the end of Mass, go, the Mass has ended. You come, but you have to live. You have to live according to God's way. You can come to church on Sunday, but you can't go out here and run someone over. You know what I'm talking about? You can't do that. No, you have to live the life. You have to live it. You have to be made new. That's the wedding garment, the white garment, the living, the Christian life. Without the renewal, without being made new, it's no good. It hasn't worked. So we, got to, we get the attention. That's what the story is about, about responding to the invitation and about clothing ourselves appropriately. If it seems like the king is over the top, Jesus wants to shake us by the shoulders today so that we can live his way in our lives.